Good morning, everyone. Life, and especially Christian life, can be, be very much like a swimming pool or like a dip in the sea. When you first take a, the plunge, it's a bit of a shock on the system. But very soon your body acclimatises to the temperature of the water and you can begin to get comfortable. I want us to think about someone today who never became comfortable with the temperature of the conditions in which she found herself, even those closest, as those closest to her did. So I want to read those verses in Ruth chapter 1 again. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled, those days when there was no king in Israel, and every man did that which was right in his own eyes, that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem Judah went down to sojourn, that is, he went to live for a while in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife Naomi, and the name of his two sons Marlon and Chilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem Judah. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. Notice that. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons. And they took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other Ruth. And they dwelled there. Notice that. About ten years. And Marlon and Chilion died also, both of them. And the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. Then she arose, that she might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard that the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. Wherefore, she went forth out of the place where she was. Last time we looked at the three men mentioned in these verses. I want today uh, to start to think, and over the next few messages probably, concentrating our thoughts on three women, Naomi, Orpah and Ruth. Firstly, Naomi. Her name means my pleasant one or a pleasing one. It comes from a word meaning beauty and is first mentioned in the scripture, uh, the beauty of the Lord. So here's a woman whose name seems to indicate that she is a reflection of the Lord's beauty. And that's absolutely true. As already indicated, it also carries the idea of being pleasing. What I'm suggesting is that she is not only pleasing in her beauty to her husband and family, and indeed to all that see her, but more especially pleasing to the Lord, because she reflects his own beautiful person and character. We've mentioned before that it is faith that pleases God. Hebrews 11 says without faith it's impossible to please him. And Romans 8 tells us that it's only those who have the mind of the Holy Spirit who are pleasing to God. You might think I'm stretching things, but as we proceed in subsequent verses, we will observe who this woman is, what she does, and the godliness of her character. Our, introducing, our introduction to her is just at the point when the family is leaving Bethlehem, where conditions were anything but conducive for her. In fact, it was just the opposite. 
Everything in Bethlehem and the land of Canaan, the land of Israel, was barren and unfruitful. So dreadful were the conditions prevailing that it seems her husband's profession of God's sovereignty in his life was also in serious doubt, as he had decided that the family should abandon all that they had ever known and go down into the land of Moab. We've also suggested that her two sons, Marlon and Chilion, which means sick and pining, that was as a result of those prevailing conditions, i.e. in the land generally, everyone was doing what was right in his own eyes, and in their home, their father's lack of... (coughs) Excuse me. In their home, their father's lack of faith displayed a serious uh, backsliding condition. However, this certainly was not the case with Naomi. She says, in the last verse of the chapter, when they went out from Bethlehem, she was full. That's amazing, isn't it? Full. What exactly does that mean? Well, she was a woman of faith, clearly. She knew her God intimately and trustingly. She undoubtedly believed that God would always fulfil his promises, and, my dear friend, he does. That the house of bread, Bethlehem, the meaning of Bethlehem, the house of bread, really was the place of God's provision and of fullness, even if everything indicated otherwise. It's interesting to notice that later in the chapter it says that she heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people and giving them bread. He thinks that this is exactly what she had been waiting, longing and praying for all the while that she was in Moab and before, of course. Because as soon as she heard that that was the case, she decided to return and return she did. Can I just stop there for a moment? and apply this to you and me. Our surroundings, dear Christian, and the prevailing conditions do not have to be perfect for us to be full and flourishing spiritually. That is, in our individual knowledge and personal experience of the Lord Jesus. It's sadly true that in many cases and places, conditions amongst the people of God are far from being perfect. My experience tells me that in many churches, and for a long time, there has been famine of practical teaching concerning godly and godlike living. And as a result, Christianity in the eyes of unbelievers has been and is in free fall. And the lack of evidence of the outshining of the love of God which should be demonstrated in care and concern for others by those who profess to know God, is absolutely shameful, possibly at an all-time low. However, this gives even more opportunity, my dear listener this morning, for those of us who have a heart for God and his pleasure to buck this dreadful trend. But returning to our chapter... The conditions in Israel and Bethlehem were not the conditions that were true of this dear woman, Naomi. Here she is leaving the land of her nativity, Bethlehem, and all that it meant to her, probably friends, relatives, acquaintances, as well as it being where God's promises and promised presence had been. 
Yet still, she says, that when she left, she was full. You see, though she was leaving all that behind, she wasn't leaving her God behind. He was going with her. And that's perfectly evident. In obedience to her husband, she was taken out of Bethlehem. But Bethlehem and all it meant wasn't taken out of her. You can take a person out of a place, but it's difficult to take a place out of a person. That works both ways. Think of Lot, Abraham's nephew. He went down with Abraham into Sodom and came back out, both of them. But Sodom remained in Lot's heart. And when the choice came, he went back. I'd like to say to you, dear believers this morning, and especially to the young believers, where your heart is, your treasure will be, said the Lord Jesus. So lay up treasure in heaven, and that'll be where your heart will be too. This is so true of genuine faith and genuine love uh, for the Lord Jesus. There are, at this very moment in time, thousands of believers incarcerated in the prisons of North Korea and many other places around the world. And although they've been taken away from Christian fellowship, their homes and loved ones, Christ is with them and in them by his Holy Spirit. And those former things remain in their hearts. Here then is this godly woman in an ungodly situation having lost her husband and her two sons. And you'd expect her to be complaining and to observe anger and resentment, but no, she's still a shining testimony for her God on whom her faith rests. Even though her son's wives were Moabites, she obviously confessed before them that the God of Israel was her God and the people of her God were her people and that they were earnestly longed for and longed after by her. How beautiful is that? It's obvious from the text that whether there was any evidence originally in Orpah and Ruth of interest in the God of Israel, this dear woman lived her life and made her confession of her love for God absolutely clear. It was so much so that Ruth was deeply affected by it, and expresses what Naomi's testimony meant to her when she says to her mother-in-law later on in the chapter, Entreat me not to leave you, or to return from following after you. For where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death part you and me. What a testimony this dear woman Naomi must have had. So as I close this meditation this morning, I'd like to address both believers and those who haven't yet received the blessing of so great salvation. For you and me as believers in the Lord Jesus, what is our life? Maybe not much around uh, amongst other professing Christians to encourage us perhaps, But are our lives lived in daily fellowship with the Lord? Are we a light in the darkness and a clear and constant testimony to those who know us? A challenge indeed.
And to you, my dear listeners today, who have never yet tasted and seen the wonderful grace of God, do you think that those who call themselves Christians are all hypocrites? You may do. Or just maybe there are ones here and there who are beautiful reflections of the God they profess to love. And you would truly like to know their God and to be like them. This God we speak of wants you to come and trust him. Come and be one of his children. Wants you to make Jesus your own and personal saviour, Lord and friend. When you repent of your sins, acknowledge your need of him, you will receive forgiveness, eternal life, and the prospect of grace down here and glory up there forever. There's so much more we can glean from the example of this dear woman. Uh, Were we to go further into the book, which perhaps we'll do next time, but trust that these things will touch every heart. God bless his word to you today.